Matthew chapter 16, verse number 21. When you have it, say amen. All right. That wasn't enough. I'll keep waiting. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Matthew 16, verse 21. It says, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him. If you look at the meaning of that, he actually pulled him aside from the group. Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned, Jesus turned, and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. Why? For thou savorest the thing not, thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Everyone say deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. In Jesus' name. If you could please stretch forth your hands uh, toward me, I ask. Um, I'm going to ask God for an anointing, and please pray that the Lord would move in this place. I want to be used by God today. In Jesus' name, Lord, we love you, God. We want to see your glory in this place. And Jesus, I just ask that you would place an anointing upon me, Lord God. Use me, Jesus, as a vessel to speak your word in this place today. Lord, I pray that you would touch somebody's heart, Lord, that somebody would be touched in this place today according to your word, Lord Jesus. We praise you. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor as you're seated and say, I hope he doesn't preach too long. Turn to your other neighbor and say, if he preaches too long after this point, we're just going to take the microphone from him and go have lunch. Just kidding. Please don't say that. <laughs> I believe today that we are a body of believers. We are called out from this world. We are spirit-filled people. We are a victorious body. We are part of a church that is triumphant, but we have an enemy. The enemy is consumed, according to the Bible, with the things of man, with the things of flesh, with the things of carnality, with the things of this world, and not the things of God. His goal is to confuse, to corrupt, and to condemn all of the things of God. As called men and women of God, we are therefore a target of the devil. We have been assigned to accomplish the work of God. We are called out of this world. Therefore, we are targets of the enemy. We are trying to accomplish a plan that is directly opposed to what he wants to do in the world. 
Satan is our enemy in this place today. Jesus called evil out as it was, even though he had to look at his own disciple. He had to take the person who he just gave the keys of the kingdom to, a member of Jesus' inner circle, and he had to look evil in the face and say, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, Peter wasn't forever condemned, but he was being used in a moment by the devil because he was not savoring the things of God. He was not aligned with the plan of God. He was aligned with the plan of men. He did it, even though he had to look at Peter and call him out. He called out the evil in the darkness. I suggest today that if we are not going to define who and what our enemy is, where our battles are being fought, and how the enemy is working to overtake us, we are going to lose the spiritual war. The things that are not of God today, we must not align with. We must only be about the things of God. We must only be about the plan of God. We must only pursue the things that be of God, not the things, hallelujah, that be of men. If we savor the things of men more than the things of God, as hard as it is to say, like it or not, accept it or not, preach about it or not, we have aligned ourselves. If we do not savor the things of God and we put the fleshly and the carnal above those things, we have aligned ourselves with the armies of Satan. So how do we avoid savoring the things of men? Jesus explains to us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow Jesus. Our generation today is consumed with ourselves. It's all about what we want. It's about self-gratification. It's all about catering to our own needs. And I want you to know I'm including myself in this. I'm a part of this generation too, and I face the same things. Our own wants, our own desires. And I, I hope you don't take this as just a rag on our generation, because like I said the other night, I believe there is hope for this generation. We are not hopeless but we are facing problems and we have to define the problems in order to accomplish some things. We've got to knock some things down in the spiritual realm. And in order to do that, we've got to define what our problem is. We carry on our hips the most sophisticated inventions in modern history. I know my good friend Mark who gave me a great introduction. It was fibbing a little bit, but he carries his iPhone right on his hip. How many of you do that? See, I just, I can't rock it like that. <laughs> I can't actually physically carry it on my hip. I, I, someday I hope to rock it. In Jesus' name. The most sophisticated inventions in modern history. More power is available to us. Wherever my iPhone is. <laughs> More power is available to us to those devices than any power that was sent off to the moon. Any technological power. And yet we're dumber than ever. We are, again, myself included. I'm not exalting myself, but we, we are, in, in essence, as a whole, dumber than ever. There is a cultural war for the minds of our peers. There is a war for our families. There is a war more so. I am so afraid. I, we have victory, but it's still, it just, the fear can grip you of the next generation the ones after us. There is a war going on for their minds and for their souls. And I would like to suggest, please, don't just think this is a doom and gloom message because we're about to get happy real quickly. But I would like to suggest to you 
that in our nation, the enemy is currently winning. We are not seeing the revival that we could have if we would lean on God. And here's how he's winning. He's winning mainly based on the false pretenses. Satan works through lies. He is not true. He does not define truth. He defines lies. He is a liar. He is the father of all lies. That life itself is happenstance. That you and I are a product of random chance. That religion is something that man invented. That man made up. That man controls. That man develops. It's all up to you. Choose your own God. Here's a bag. Just choose one. Or a lack thereof. Choose your own lifestyle. Do whatever path you want to take. Just do it. Whatever makes you happy. Do whatever you want without any consequences. And if people so dare to tell you that maybe the lifestyle you've chosen leads to destruction, that maybe the lifestyle you've chosen is wrong, that maybe the God you're serving isn't real, even if they make sense, silence them at all costs. Because it's all about what you want to do. But all this garbage, I would like to suggest to you today, has purchased our nation is corrupt politicians, broken families, destroyed public systems, and a generation that is too brain dead to think for themselves. Because when you follow anything other than Jesus, you hop on the road to hell and destruction. He is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. And the first element of following Jesus Christ according to his own word is to pick up your cross, to deny yourself, to say no to your flesh, and to follow his will for your life. If you've chosen to follow Jesus today, pick up your cross. If you've decided in your life that he is going to be the only way for you, then pick up your cross. I believe that the reason why this generation is suffering such spiritual instability and confusion is because we refuse to deal with the temptation to have one foot in the door of the church and one foot in the door of the world. We've, refused, we've only picked up half of the cross. Christ died fully on the cross. It was a full death. It was a real death. It wasn't a partial death. And neither should our death be. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. I know who I'm speaking to today. I know that I'm speaking to a room full of people. You've heard the voice of God. In the deep recesses of your heart, you've heard him beckoning, follow me, follow me, follow me. But we will ultimately fail him if we refuse to deal with our fleshly desires and put them on the cross. I'm not talking about being weird. I'm not talking about being taboo or destroying your body. I'm talking about living with the intention of not my will, Lord. At all costs, thine be done. Hallelujah. Sometimes when we sing this song, lead me, Lord, I will follow. I love that song. They sang that song at Connect, my first Connect. And God spoke to me and told me to come to IBC. But sometimes when we say, lead me, Lord, I will follow, we don't think about the cost that's going to come with that. Lead me, Lord, I will follow, comes with a price. We don't consider. And, and how can we? How can we run through all the trials in our lives? Some things we just don't know are going to appear in our lives until they're there. But we, can under, we have to understand that there is going to be a price, that you are going to face a trial, that you are going to go through some testing. But it's about nailing that flesh to the cross. Hallelujah. Because when you follow his leading, 
you bear his cross. All of us must do that today. So, <laughs> it's hopeless, right? You know, because nobody can really be perfect. I mean, every, everybody's going to make mistakes. No, that's not what I'm talking about. You can be victorious today. You don't have to hang your head low in the face of all of this nonsense and garbage that's polluting our nation and corrupting us. Because when there is death in the flesh, there's life in the spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. Christ, the first cross bearer. Hallelujah. He bore the cross. He suffered the death. And yes, it was hurtful. Yes, it was painful. Yes, they beat him. Yes, they spat at him. They ripped his beard. They beat his back with whips. They put a crown of thorns on his head and they drove nails through his body to a cross. But after that, see, that wasn't just it. It wasn't just the cross that was a part of Christ's redemptive plan. It was the resurrection. That was the defining moment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Where death to the flesh takes place, life in the spirit follows. You can be victorious in Christ. You don't have to live with the burden of sin on your life. You can live victorious over sin and over the devil in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In John chapter 10, 10, he said, Christ said that he was come so that we could have life. There ought to be life in us today. We ought to be a church of life, walking in new life, walking in a new path, walking for a new master. He came so that we could have life and that we might have it more abundantly. But look at what comes next in the scripture, verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Through Christ's example, we can know that through death to the flesh, we can have victory, desires, Nail it to the cross. Fears, nail it to the cross. Doubt, nail it to the cross. Inhibitions, nail it to the cross. Low confidence, nail it to the cross. Get your flesh out of the way and let God work through you. Hallelujah. Not so that you can be browbeaten, but so you can live in victory. So that you can walk with the power of the Spirit in your life. So that you can have anointing when you preach and when you sing and when you teach and when you minister to people. Start overcoming the works of Satan in your life today. Hallelujah. Reach out. Don't just do it in your own life. Reach out and tell people, hey, you don't have to live like this. You don't have to be bound by your flesh. You can nail that to a cross and God will give you his spirit that will help you to live victorious. Hallelujah. Revelation 12, 11, we quote it all the time. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. But I was reading that the other day and it struck out to me because there's more to that verse. It ends like this, and they loved not their lives unto the death. We cannot love our lives to the death enough to where we're going to trade our life, that we're going to give up his spirit, that we're going to give up his plan in order to have our own desires. It doesn't matter how big. It doesn't matter how small. No flesh can glory in the presence of God. We have to make sure that daily we are nailing excuse me, our flesh to the cross. The people who made it to heaven in this scripture are not depressed, by the way. They are not sad that they've made the decision to lay down their lives. They are not sad or depressed. They are not defeated because they killed their flesh. Rather, they have overcome because they love not their lives unto the death. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Switching over to an example here. Um, out of... Out of the things that, 
God has chosen to bless me with, a talent for bowling is not one of them. It's actually kind of sad. If you ever need some cheap entertainment, just, you know, go out and take me bowling. <laughs> it's, it's pretty pathetic. <laughs> and it's really not that hard of a game, you know. You just pick up a ball, you bowl it, and you roll it, and it hopefully knocks down some pins. Well, that never really happens to me. I'm kind of skeptical, actually. You know, they always tell me that pins are supposed to knock down when I bowl, and that just never happens. It always goes to the gutter. So there was this one time, and just to be honest with you, this really has nothing to do with my, my, my message, but there was this one time I was bowling, and uh, I, it was just, this must have been a few years ago. I picked up the bowling ball, you know, and I walked up to the lane, and I, I did the wind-up, you know, I wound it up in the hopes that maybe just one of the ten, I hope that's, there's ten, pins to knock down. And I released, and right when I released the ball from my hand, I kid you not, God is my witness. The ball leapt out of my hand, did not even go into my lane, went over into the other person's lane, rolled on their wooden lane, and got them a strike. <laughs> And it would have been great. I mean, you would have thought, you know, we would have had just a party over that. Because, first of all, I knocked down a pin. Second of all, I got a strike. Third of all, it wasn't even my strike. <laughs> but it was a four-year-old boy in the other lane. Daddy! He went off. He went off on me. And he had a tantrum. And it was just horrible. And I felt like a jerk. So that's just a bowling story. <laughs> but there's another story, and this does have something to do with my message today. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so it was over the summer. Uh, a few of you in the crowd were there, and uh, we had a good time. I was doing horribly at bowling, like normal. And uh, I went up to, I looked at my score. Now see... <laughs> I was, again, doing miserably. I was failing. I was in last place. I'm kind of used to that in bowling. But hey, the first shot be last and the last shot be first, so we're all good. But I looked at my score and I said, well, there's really no point in me actually attempting to do anything of worth with this next bowl. So I turned around to the group with the bowling ball in hand and I said, I'm going to go for the granny shot. Whatever. <laughs> do your thing, Zach. <laughs> so I went up to, to bowl and, you know, I did the classic granny stance. Right, you get, you get, you you got to put a lot into this. I took the bowling ball in both of my hands, hoisted it <laughs> like this, and I reeled back. And when I came up, and released it, that's that. It was a great granny shot, if I do say so myself. So why was I doing a granny shot? Well, it was easy. <laughs> you don't have to try. You just fling it. <laughs> and I was hoping. Now, see, this is this is the point. I was hoping that you know, because I was taking such an easy shot that I would knock down quite a few pins because what loser is going to go for the granny shot and hit zero pins? God is my witness again. <laughs> when I went for the granny and I released the ball, it did not even touch wood. That ball went straight into the gutter. No hope of hitting a pin. Story of my life. <laughs> but it was in this moment and please, I mean, don't, you know, take this for what it is. You know, I believe God can speak to you anywhere, even in a bowling alley. But it was like I began to think about it. 
and sometimes in our spiritual walks, we know that there's some things that we have to knock down. We know that there are some things that it's kind of been too long that they've been there. There's been enough sin. There's been enough temptation. There's been enough destruction. Now I'm going to take some victory. I'm going to knock some things down because I have power in the Holy Ghost. But we go for the easy shot. We don't put any effort into it, really. Maybe at certain instances, maybe at certain times, but not our lives. We don't put our whole lives into getting things accomplished in the spiritual realm. So we go for the granny shot, and we think, well, I'll just make it by, you know. I'll, I'll pray every once in a while. You know, at a youth congress, that'll be good. I'll break through there, and then I'll go a few months. And then maybe at a chapel service, I'll, I'll you know, God will grip my heart, and I'll, I'll, I'll really seek him. And, but, but only few and far between. And I'll knock some pins down. I'll, 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 I'll slide in. I'll make it. Just taking the easy way out, that, that's, that's what will get me some points. That's what will get me the victory. But I would like to share with you today that what I feel in my heart is that if we approach what God is wanting us to do in this generation with just an easy way out granny shot mentality, we are aiming straight for the gutter. We are not going to hit anything if we go and take the easy way out. Jesus. There is no easy road to heaven. Not for the flesh. No easy road to heaven. In fact, according to Christ, the broad way is a way that leads somewhere else. I believe this generation is facing a temptation to live halfway on both sides. But there's a problem because Jesus said that no man can serve two masters. So if you're not fully serving him, if you're not denying yourself, if you're not taking up your cross, if I'm not taking up my cross, then who am I serving is the question. There has to be a pointed decision in your life where you decide, I'm going to take up my cross for the cause of Christ. I'm going to deny myself at all costs, even though it's hard. Even when I don't feel like it, even when I don't want to pray, I'm going to pray. Even when I don't want to be spiritual, I'm going to be spiritual because I know that what his word says is true. And I know that if I give my entire life to him, I will have victory. But we won't have victory if we live half and half. Even if I have to subject my flesh to prayer daily, I already said that. I have to lay aside some ambitions. I might have to lay aside some goals. I might have to go almost insane because sometimes when God speaks to you, you're just kind of like, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, did God really speak to me? Is this really his will? And you just, you go nuts almost, <laughs> you know. Um, even if I have to go through that to discern the will of God for my life, I'm willing to do it. If the musicians could please come, I'm coming to a close here. Thank you, Jesus. In the Old Testament, when Abraham went to sacrifice his son, it's interesting to note that God really didn't need Isaac as a sacrifice. That wasn't what was appeasing to God because he provided a ram. It wasn't Isaac that needed to die. It was Abraham's flesh. It was Abraham's goals. It was Abraham's desires. He didn't want to sacrifice his son. If I had a son, I wouldn't want to sacrifice him either. I sure wouldn't want my dad sacrificing me. <laughs> what God needed was Abraham's willingness to lay it all on the line. And all I've come to say today is that we are in the same situation as Abraham. I believe that God is calling Indiana Bible College, the student body, 
to lay it all on the line. Yes, you'll have bad days. Yes, you'll stumble. Yes, you'll make mistakes. But decide right now in your soul that whatever you face, whatever comes and attacks you, whatever comes and demeans you, whatever comes and tells you that what you're doing is worthless, whatever comes and tells you that you had a better life in the flesh, whatever comes and tells you that the will of God is not the will that you want working in your life, come against it in Jesus' name. Decide that it's not going to matter what the devil says to you because you're not concerned about the things of man. You're not concerned about the flesh. You're concerned only about the things of God. We are promised a crown of glory for his kingdom. And of course, we're going to cast it at his feet. We don't deserve anything. But first, to get there, we have to put on the crown of thorns. We have to go through some trials. We have to subject our flesh to his will in every single area of our life in order to accomplish his will for our lives. If you could please stand with me today. In Jesus' name. I'm going to open up these altars here. Maybe you're struggling today to pick up your cross. Maybe you've set it aside for a while. Maybe you haven't denied yourself in recent days, in recent weeks, months, years, whatever. The altars are open today so that you can come and pick back up your cross. Maybe you need help carrying your cross. Jesus needed help. They, in, in his flesh, he, need, he certainly needed help carrying the cross. He was almost dead. Even Christ had help carrying his cross. Maybe you need some help today. And my Lord, if a man can help Jesus carry his cross and he makes it, God can help you carry your cross and you're going to make it. Maybe you need to help somebody carry it today. Maybe there's somebody here that you know is struggling, that you know isn't where they need to be with God. It's okay to go to that person and pray a prayer over them and believe in God with them, that God's going to have the victory in their lives. If you need to come pick up your cross today, these altars are open. Come. If you need, if you know that you need help carrying your cross, if it's getting to be a struggle, if it's getting to be hard for you, God can help you pick up your cross today. Maybe you need to help somebody carry it. Don't be afraid to intercede for somebody. Pray for somebody's soul. Pray that somebody makes it. God's not willing that any should perish here today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus.